So Money episode 671, Ask Farnoosh, a replay originally airing on September 29th, 2017. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. It is the moment you've all been waiting for. Well, maybe not, but hopefully this gets you excited. Guys, I'm launching a money course in partnership with the very smart people at Investopedia.com. I'm launching a major soup to nuts money course that's targeted at young professionals who want to make the most of their money. So do you want to squash those student loans, catch up on savings, earn more money, maybe buy a house or just negotiate a better lease on your rental? My nine module money course arrives early January to be the first to register for the course and receive a special So Money discount. Go to SoMoneyCourse.com or if you don't want to leave your cell phone right now, just text me. Text So Money Course, that's one word, to 44222. That's So Money Course, one word, to 44222. Hope to see you. Justin Crane, welcome to Ask Farnoosh. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so psyched to be here. I love having guests co-host this Friday episode with me, and I've been very much looking forward to having you on. Really, I should have you on So Money to interview you, pick your brain about all your financial theories and philosophies, maybe for another time. But for now, I'm very excited to share the mic with you and go through some of our Top questions. We get so many questions every week. It's hard to sift through it all alone, all by my lonesome. So Justin, welcome to the show and thank you. Thanks again. You are, I'm going to brag about you for a little bit because uh, you deserve it. Your uh, book is called Money, You Got This. God, I love that title. And what I like, I especially like about your approach to money and everyone listening, Justin Crane is a money strategist for business owners. He is on a mission to help business owners, entrepreneurs really understand understand the money side of their business. Because you're right, like a lot of times we just go about the idea and the business and we're great at building things. But once we start making that money, that's a whole other skill set. That's a new set of problems. <laughs> or opportunities, as yeah. I like to look at things. But what I really appreciate about your approach is that you say on your website that you're not about cutting back and living a frugal life, that you want to get the shoes, you like to have sushi, you want to live your best life today, also save for your future. You can have it all and a bag of chips Let's with Justin. <laughs> How did you get to be so wise and so optimistic about money? I think uh, it goes back to when I got divorced in 2010, I realized that I had to financially hit the reset button and really get clear about what I wanted for my financial life and how I was going to stop um, taking care of everyone else and put on my own oxygen mask. And that was a game changer for me. Wow. So the divorce was, was uh, you know, an un- unfortunate circumstance, gave birth to an enlightenment around money. Was there a specific moment? Was it because you had to pay the legal fees? Like, what was it that was like, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, well, being a certified financial planner, I, you know, deal with money all the time. But I think it for me, it was always about like, I wasn't really clear 
about what I wanted for myself. I didn't feel like I had a voice to build a new life for myself. And when you do get divorced, it's a it's almost like it's a death. And then as you're coming out the other side, you get much more aware and you have these raw emotions of what you really want. And then I started being like, okay, I got this. I'm going to align my values just like I've been doing for my clients. I'm going to align my values and my goals and unite them with my own life so I could get a return on my life. So what is it that Justin wants? Uh, what does Justin want? You know, I, I want to In 30 be, seconds. I want, I want, want yeah, I want to be easy <laughs> like Sunday morning. Like I want to basically create business and help people get really, really clear on their money so they can live the life that they want. And it's the same exact thing for me. I just brought it in. I was like, okay, where am I? What are the kind of things that are important to me? and family and legacy and traveling and all of that, that was what I wanted more of. And that's what I work towards. I mean, every day. And just listening to yourself at the end of the day, what's the biggest money problem your clients come to you with? Um, the entrepreneurs and the small yeah, business owners specifically. It, it's where did all of the money go? So they don't know what's going on. They don't have the clarity. And then they feel like they're working really, really hard, but their business isn't as profitable as the as they thought it would be by now. And so how do you help them get prof more profitable? Or is it all in their head? They just aren't running the numbers and they actually are doing better than they think. No, no. They, you know, I, no. I call it like Farnoosh, it's, it's national get your head out of the sand day. Like literally, <laughs> we got to get our heads out of the sand. We got to get really, really clear on what's going on with the numbers in our business. And I'm almost like, you know what? Have a glass of wine with me. Maybe we bring in your bookkeeper. Maybe we bring in your admin. And let's just see what kind of cash your business is generating, how profitable it is. And then once I disarm them and make them feel like, you know what? It's not so overwhelming. They get a little clearer and feel empowered to make decisions that will take their business to the next level. Have you heard of the book Profit First? Yes. Yes. Mike McCallowitz. Yes. He was on the show and he's also like you very passionate about helping entrepreneurs basically align, like you say, their values with their money, but really um, make money, keep your money and <laughs> keep more of your money because we end up spending a lot on other things and not giving it to ourselves. Your book is called Money, You Got This. Tell us about it a little bit. Uh, why should we read it? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, this is Seinfeld meets Curb Your Enthusiasm meets money for people and for small business owners. I've just taken crazy funny stories that I've had and created a money lesson out of it. Like one time, can I give you one real quick? So yes, uh, please. I'm in the car with my wife and I'm driving. This is my new wife and my second marriage, you know, blended family and all that. And like we're rushing, we're running late. And all of a sudden she takes lipstick and she rubs it on her cheek and like rubs it in. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? She said, you never knew that? Like, I know like, what when, she's doing. Yeah, like when women are in a hurry, like we just, we don't have the makeup for our cheeks and all that. So we just go with lipstick. I'm like, oh my God, there's a money lesson there. Be resourceful. Mm -hmm. Leverage your assets. Leverage your existence. Multitask. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like maybe you've got something that you, could, that you could repurpose. Maybe there's an asset that you can use in a different way. And if you approach it One differently, you know, there you go. I, I do that. I'm a kindred spirit with your new wife. There you go. One of the one of my favorite episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, we it's a running joke in our house, is Respect the Wood. That's right. Remember that episode <laughs> where he left the, the – so maybe you can extrapolate that to respect the money. That's right. You got to respect the money. I'm just, I'm just thinking for you. 
Uh, you can take it or leave it. There you go. Justin, are you ready for some So Money Ask Farnoosh and Ask Justin questions? Yes. All right. We have a great couple of questions first for, that are audio delivered. Everybody, you can go and um, go to So Money Podcast, click on Ask Farnoosh, and you can either leave a voicemail if you're on the go or you just like the way your voice sounds, you can leave a voicemail or you can type it in. But we do have two voicemails, one from Mary and one from Alexandra. Let's hear Mary's problem. Here we go. Hi, Farnish. My name is Mary and I'm a 40-year-old self-employed consultant wondering about retirement and student loans, how to, um, how to deal with both. So I don't have any more credit card debt or car payments. I've paid off both. Yay. And I've been kind of little by little working away at my student loans, but I'm ready to um, take care of them if I can in the next couple of years. Do I really focus on them or is it better to go ahead and open a retirement account of some sort? Um, So far, I haven't done anything along those lines. I've just been uh, really cranking away at, um, building my business. So if I start a retirement savings now, which, which kind of account, what, what would be best? And, you know, how do I decide whether to pay off loans or put money into retirement? All right, Justin. So Mary is, as she said, she's 40 years old, she's self-employed and she's deciding, or she's grappling with whether to put more towards retirement or more towards her student loans. I mean, I think she kind of answered her own question in that telling us that she hasn't done anything for retirement. She's 40. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start putting some money away and having it work for you. My bottom line. I agree. I mean, I, the, the truth of the matter is money. I mean, just from the math or the historical returns perspective, if you put money in stocks over the next 25 years, that's putting your money to better work than paying off student loans, which probably, I don't know, assuming that there may be federal, probably the interest rates aren't too too high. But more importantly, forget the numbers, you need to secure your future as soon as possible, like yesterday, right? And so you're going to have to play some catch up, Mary. And I would prefer to see that if you have any extra money that that is going towards, towards retirement through a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, well, uh, in your case, as a self-employed person, maybe it's a SEP IRA, um, but do something and do something quickly. And then in the meantime, I think we don't ever say just pay the minimum on credit cards, but I'm okay with just paying the minimums on student loans. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think uh, you got to have both. Like I get this question a lot. I have debt. I want to save for retirement. I think we got to get in the game of investing and be in the mindset of we're building something for ourselves and being able to see it, when you see it grow, it's a win. It makes you feel even more confident, just like when you pay down your debt. But I think you got to do both because at the end of the day, you're going to need some assets to live off of. Yes. Yes. It's not an either or scenario, uh, although it may feel that way because money is limited. So we feel like we have to do one or the other. But clearly you can't default on your student loans. That would be terrible. So just Kate, stay the course with the student loans even if it's going to take you the full 10 or 15 year term, uh, at the same time, dedicate 
a, at least 10%, maybe 15%, 20% of your income towards a retirement portfolio. Uh, at this point, they say by 40, not to scare you, Mary, or anyone else listening, but the, you know, the charts suggest that by 40, we should have anywhere from two to three times our salary saved for the future, as in retirement. That's kind of aggressive, but I mean, the thing is you get to a retirement and you don't know, A, how long you're going to live, hopefully a long life, but that costs money. But also B, your health concerns may be expensive as well. And just who knows the future of social security. So the more you can save now, the better off you'll be. No one arrives at retirement going, oh, I saved too much. <laughs> I wish I hadn't saved so much money. Okay. Alexandra's got an audio question. Here we go. Hi, Farnoosh. I've recently discovered your podcast, So Money, and it really empowered me to take a closer look at my finances and understand how all of this would work. Now, I'm 27, and I have a gross income of $105,000. I'm currently investing 10% of my income in an IRA, but I would also want to open an IRA Roth to diversify. If I know that I will be in a higher income bracket as I grow older, it might make sense to diversify, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. I also have another question about student loans. Now I have a loan, but it's not in the US, it's abroad. It represents about 20% of my total income. And I wanted to know if it's possible for me to get a tax break or a deductible with regards to the interest. Um, and I've already paid the interest. I don't even know if that could be retroactive. But any advice on this would be really, really helpful. Thank you so much. All right, Alexandra, thank you so much. So she's got a twofer here, two-part question, Justin. Um, the first is about kind of whether or not she should take advantage of a Roth IRA. She has an income of about $105,000. So eventually she'll be phasing out of the eligibility for a Roth. So should she still do it? Is it worth opening it up and kind of going through the hassle? I think yes. 100% yes. Yeah. Totally. And why not? I mean, the thing is, uh, she's not going to phase out for a little while because I, according to the IRA, once you start making about $118,000, and that's if you're single, um, you start to get your contributions are reduced starting at $118,000. Once you hit $133,000 or rather $134,000, I guess, you can no longer contribute to a Roth IRA for this tax year. So you have a ways to go unless you're expecting a huge raise in the next few months. Um, so do take advantage of this because I like to say, and you probably would agree, that it's important to have tax diversification when you arrive in retirement, right? Yes. I mean, our country, like, do we have any money in this country? Like we barely have money. Mm -hmm. We're in debt. Like a tax rates, in my opinion, like what do I know, right? Going up. They've got to go up at some point. Yeah. We either have to cut Social Security and Medicare or we have to raise, you know, we got to raise money. Maybe tax rates are yeah. going to be higher. That's why a Roth is huge. Yes, yes. So then her second part of her question, Justin, is about, again, student loans. She has a loan that's not U.S.-based. It's a lot of her money, and she's so obviously paying a lot in interest potentially. Can she, A, get the tax break? As we know, student loan interest for many people is tax deductible. 
And all this while she hasn't been deducting the interest. So if it is possible, can she, you know, go back in time basically and get the deduction? Uh, I did a little research and correct me if I'm wrong, Justin and anyone listening, but uh, according to the IRS, in order for the interest deduction to apply, your school that you attended has to be, quote unquote, an eligible educational institution. So that's as far as I know. So if it's if it is a foreign school, if it's overseas, you want to check with the IRS, basically IRS.gov. And there's probably you could type, I don't know, hopefully there's a handy tool where you can type in the name of the school or do a search to see if it is an eligible educational institution. And I, from what I understand, too, um, in order to go back in time to get the tax break, you got to do an amendment that could cost money. If you have to hire someone to do that for you, and that could counteract the interest deduction savings, right? Yeah. I mean, I what think, do you think you got to ask your accountant. You got to go through the numbers. Short answer. Talk yeah. to somebody else. <laughs> I mean, like- talk to somebody who does this for a living. Um, but it's, it's a, I've never gotten this question before. I mean, a lot of us, I think, uh, potentially could get our degrees overseas elsewhere. I know some friends of mine who are um, getting their medical degrees um, outside the U.S., but plan to then come back to the U.S. to work. So what happens when they go to pay off their student loans? Do they get the interest break? I don't know. I think you probably could if it's an eligible educational institution, to use the IRS's words. I'm with you. Oh, and I was lying. We have yet another audio question. This time from Heather, and uh, Heather has a question about savings and debt, and I'll let her. I'll let her ask it. Here we go, Heather. My husband and I have thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt that we attained when he was sick and not able to work for a couple of years. We now own a successful performing arts studio. Um, we have about three hundred thousand in retirement, um, and 50,000 in cash savings. Do I use the cash to pay off the credit cards, even though not having cash gives me a little bit of an anxiety attack? (laughs) That is my question. Um, thank you so much. All right. What do you think, Justin? Um, uh, should they pay, should they, should they basically, she's concerned, right? Because she's going to have to like give up a lot of the savings, the cash to pay off the debt. I have a, I mean, it's obvious to me, but I'll let you answer. Yeah. Yeah. I work with a lot of studio owners, both dance and performing arts studio. And that business model is very hard to deal with all of the time because the cash flows all over the place because most people have high fixed costs with rent. Plus in the summertime or what, you know, holidays, whatever people aren't around as much. I would not take the cash. I would not pay off the credit cards. I would keep it there as an emergency savings account. And then I would take the cash from your business and create a way that you can save. I'm making it up. Let's just say one to $5,000 per month. Pull that out and use that money to pay off the credit card. But if there's an emergency, whether it's personal or business, yeah, because like dance studio owners, they're, um, it's a hard business. It's very rewarding. But the cash flow can be very volatile. But $50,000, I wonder how much that would cover. I mean, if that's about a year's worth of 
of spending for them, um, being maybe conservative, um, wouldn't that be more than enough? I mean, like, could, should she maybe first do the math and see how far they, that 50,000 would, would stretch. And if they have more than enough in their cash savings that, that she, like that maybe some of that should go to the, towards the debt. But I like your idea too, like kind of reworking your, your business, uh, basically your business and how you're making money to funnel some of that towards the debt. But you, but bottom line, I think we both agree the debt needs to be a priority. Yeah. I'm with you on right? that. Yeah. I'm with you on that. The thing is, is if they just have 50 K and no emergency account for their business and who knows what their mm-hmm. fixed expenses are in their business and they have a certain amount of money that is, you know, they have living expenses. You got to look at both of those from a holistic total standpoint and see how much you're actually going to need. You know, of course we should be paying down debt, but we don't know to what extent that money is needed to just keep us alive. Right. And I'm happy to have you here because I don't know anyone who has a performing arts studio. You, as it turns out, know quite a few people in that that shoe. it's, It's hard. Yeah. Well, I'm also really impressed that they have 300,000 in retirement. That's pretty good. Love that. That they managed to do that while running a relatively volatile business and that they have 50000 in cash savings. It sounds to me like their business is doing pretty well. Knock on wood. Let's hope it continues. All right, Justin, we have a question from Anastasia. I'll let you read it. And it's a budgeting question. Just take it away. So you want me to read it out loud? Yes, please. All right. Anastasia, (laughs) she needs some help with her finances, although she's already come a long way. In the last year, she's made radical changes to her finances. She got off of welfare, enrolled in a financial course for people with irregular income, won a grant for her music, which she used to open an emergency savings account and a Roth IRA. The biggest challenge for her is budgeting. She's contemplating opening an account with a major bank to help her save and budget. Should she do it? She's also had trouble securing credit. Should she try again? I mean, I just think this is awesome. I mean, this is amazing. Getting off of welfare, enrolling in a course, Mm -hmm. getting a grant, opening emergency savings account and a Roth IRA. You've done so much. You're amazing. Keep it up. Keep it up and keep, keep going. It up. I'm, uh, absolutely. And just to give you some more background on Anastasia, she has an 800 plus credit score. Wow. Um, unfortunately, she's been denied credit because her income is too low. And so her local credit union would not approve her for a credit card. And so in the meantime, she's been using a secured card for 20 months. Again, doing the right thing. We always talk about that when you can't get traditional credit, like a you know standard credit card, start with the credit card with training wheels, which is also known as a secured card. I mean, I, I, I'm with you, Justin. I think that she's clearly going to be successful. She may just need some reassurance here. And I would just reassure you, Anastasia, in telling you that I would also go back and try to find a bank account somewhere that's easy to access, has zero, preferably zero account maintenance fees, is easy to hook up to a program like Mint where you can track your expenses. Um, You know, I, I would consider... A number of banks. I mean, go on to a site like NerdWallet or Bankrate.com where you can look for banks based on the kinds of 
attributes that you want in a bank, whether that's no fees, uh, uh, you know, easy withdrawals, look convenience, good interest. I would recommend, Justin, what about credit unions? I mean, she said that she tried one credit union that didn't work out, but she should try another one Yeah, I mean, or, you know, another community I bank. I would be as resourceful as you can. Find an account that works for you, that lets you automate your savings, that pays some decent interest. And then I want to add one other thing. I want you to think about your human capital. I want you to think about your ability to generate money based on what you're really, really good at and view, yeah. view that as an asset as well. That's a great point. Justin, what's an example of a client that came to you, a, a, an entrepreneur, a small business owner that you really helped them with um, strategy or money management? It was a real great success story. Sure. Yeah. Um, one of them is uh, someone by the name of Ionthe Moro, who runs Objects with Purpose, and she sells candles, these amazing candles. And what I helped her with is basically her inventory management and her markup on what she sells. She wasn't marking up her candles enough. And she was working super, super hard and not making that much money. Plus, she was making these one-off sales. So I'm a big believer in recurring revenue. So I encouraged her to create a candle club. So now she's got a candle club where people can buy, you know, those gift boxes, Farnoosh, where you can buy something. So she now has that, which gives her recurring revenue, which is huge for a product-based business owner. Plus, when you're looking at your numbers, like your financials, now we can break down her wholesale revenue, which she wasn't doing, her retail revenue, looking at the profitability of both. And then we're adding a third line item, which has to do with um, the candle club, which is recurring revenue. Now we start to track that. Now we can start to see what's working and where she's making her money and then go bigger what's, you know, in, in terms of what's really ROIing. Amazing. And so how is she feeling? Oh, my God. A million bucks. Like so much better, so much more in control and wanting to deal with the numbers. And she's feeling empowered and ready to take her business to the next level. She doesn't feel like she's running ragged, chasing the money. It's more like, okay, I got a system. I got a plan. I know what's going on and I feel good about it. Yeah, she has a baseline, right? She has that recurring income that she can count on, that she can plan around. And that's everything to an entrepreneur. That's right. Justin, you've been really great. I have to say, I want to have you back on the show because you obviously have a lot to talk about, to share from your personal experiences, from your just interaction with clients. I think we can learn a lot from you. So um, don't go too far. I'm going to be calling you again to come back and do an actual interview episode. It's a deal. This has been a lot of fun. Deal? Okay. All right, Justin, thank you. And tell us how we can learn more about you. Sure. Uh, Everyone can go to my site, which is J, the letter J, Crane, K-R-A-N-E dot com. All right. Very easy. Thanks, Justin. Have a great weekend. You too. Hope it's so money. You got it. 